Welcome to Walking with the Boys, the show where we get our daily exercise and speak our mind. We upload every Monday, so please enjoy. Yeah. Ask me for a friend. Hi, right, ready? Uh, yeah, okay, so we're good. So you're listening to this guy, Alan Watts. I'm listening to Alan Watts, and his speech. I can't remember the name of him, I have to look it up. But he was basically talking about... Um, shit, I forgot what I was going to say. Well, damn. What was the speech about? Oh, we got a pool? I'm going to jump in. They do have a pool, yeah. Nice in-ground pool. It's fancy. Oh, what was the name of it? I mean, what was he talking about? Oh, okay. So, yeah. I was listening to Alan Watts, and there was this speech. I don't remember what the name of it was, because I was listening to a whole playlist of speeches. Yeah. Walking the street. And it's when he was talking about taking the journey, and the journey as opposed to the destination. So, a lot of people... Well, he was basically saying that we shouldn't focus on the destination. True. getting there is, like, part of the journey. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that, that, right, or the journey I'm is t- part of it. I'm talking in circles right now, but... Right. Well, it's like the old, uh, it's like the old saying, like, cliche and all, like, anime and stuff. It's like the real adventure, the real uh, gift was the friends you made along the way or something like that. Yeah, it was essentially like that. Mm-hmm. He was basically saying that you shouldn't focus on that. He was also saying that you shouldn't focus on money. True. Because if you live for money, you're just living for more money, and it's a cycle that doesn't really do anything for you. And by the time you, he's like, I know this guy. By the time he got to 65, he retired, he had a bunch of money saved up, and he was too, like, impotent to actually do anything with his money. Yeah. Like, he was falling apart, couldn't go out. Yeah, you could sit yeah. and you know. So waiting till retirement, it's kind of pointless. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like the ancient Egyptians, right? When they would. Hey, What's going on? how are you? Well, man? Um, it's kind of like the ancient Egyptians, right? Like, they they waited until they died for them to, like, roll out all the gold statues and all sorts of stuff, and they were buried with it, right? Because it just meant so much to them. Yeah, well, they thought they could bring them to the Well, right, time. they also thought they could bring with them. But that's that, like, uh, similar to that mentality. I remember a lot of people, whenever people, I've heard people say before um, that, like, you know, it doesn't matter how much money you have, like, you can't take it with you anyway. Yep. Like, and that was kind of like... It's that like ancient Egyptian mentality of well, hold on, I gotta be buried with all my riches because, you know, I'm gonna need it. I'm gonna need it, but like eventually, you know, it doesn't really matter what you had in life because, you know, you're dead. Yeah, or it's like what is it? It's like, you know, something about like we may. There's always there's all those memes you you see with people where it's like you know you can have all this money, but like at the end we all fit in the same you know coffin or whatever, like the same size. Yeah, that's yeah. true. crazy yeah the speech was really good i wish i remember more of it yeah well you said you listen to a whole bunch of them so yeah i probably listened to like 12 of them yeah um, hold on i'm gonna look up something real quick okay but to continue with what we said yesterday we were talking we talked very briefly about like uh this sort of like uh politics of revenge and how a lot of the policies that people want it's all about like you getting yours and everyone else like experiencing the same suffering that you have and it reminded me thinking more about it of uh i was listening to a radio show one time this is years and years ago and one of the radio one of the hosts uh was saying something about like wealthy people and how whenever they saw on the side of the road like if they saw somebody with like a really nice car that was broken down so they could bmw and they had a flat tire or something like that uh that they always like 
enjoyed that and like would chuckle to themselves and be like, ah, oh, see, you know, hey. even though you have, yeah, basically, even though you have all that money, like you still get flat tires. And I'm just, and I remember thinking about that and I'm like, man, what a, what a shitty mindset to have. Like, that's where it, this mindset of the saying comes from. Hey, you're going to hate, man. Yeah. Like it, it's one of those things where you're, you're not like, and it's my thing of like, well, was there a threshold of value? Like if they drove a Honda Civic and had a flat tire, would you then feel sorry and be like, oh man, I'm sure they, you know, are struggling. Maybe they're having trouble getting to work. Like, or would you also look at them and say, oh, ha ha, you got yours. That kind of person might just cue them, but not like out blatantly laugh at them. Right. Because they're not wealthier. True. Or more well off. But they're like, um, hmm. You know what I'm saying? They're just talking yeah. to themselves. Right, right. Which is a shame. You shouldn't do that. But it's, yeah, it's just sort of weird weird mentality that it always got to me it's like even though like why would you like why would you laugh at somebody else's pain you know it's yeah. like it, you're you're looking at it if, in the sense of like it's and it really is it's kind of my belief is that is that like there's a pair in people's mind today i think there's this like threshold right of like what's worthy of sympathy and what's not and if you're too well off then you deserve no sympathy no matter what happens to you because oh well you're you're wealthy so therefore you know your life has just been super easy so if you say got in some horrible accident and we're now paralyzed like oh well at least you're you know, rich yeah at least you're rich oh and it's like but no that's horrible like anybody in that situation would be a bad time like why is it that we view wealth and privilege as this sort of like oh well you've had such a good life this one this little inconvenience for you is just not that bad and it's like why like that's what an awful mentality to have people tend to deal with a lot of things well, a lot mm-hmm. of things in life you need to we justify yeah and we just, that's pretty much how you come to terms with a lot of things you need to find a way to justify it to yourself yeah and that's how they do it yeah they don't think about it they just yeah they the just gut instinct is to react in that manner yeah which is unfortunate i think yeah. it's a bad mentality to have when you when you get excitement or enjoyment out of the you know suffering of others because for some reason in your head you justify it that like this person deserves that that tells you how crap your life is yeah There was a speech that I was looking up. Mm-hmm. We actually saw it today. I did, okay. By Aruka. Yeah. And it goes, when a person dies, he disappears along with his past, current lifestyle, and his future. Many people die in missions and war. They die easily in surprisingly simple ways. Hayate was one of them. Those who die have goals and dreams, but everyone who has something as important as those parents, siblings, friends, lovers, people who you're important to, or who are important to you. They trust and help each other. The bond between the people to you ever, oh, excuse me. The bond between the people important to you ever since birth and the string that binds them becomes thicker and stronger as time goes by. It's beyond reason. Those bound to you by that string will do that because it is important. I don't know, when I saw that shit earlier, I was, mm, shit was good, what happened? No. Oh, that made me think a lot. Yeah. Because he was basically talking about death, which a lot of people don't like talking about. True. And that's not what we were just talking about. But yeah. some, some of the speeches I heard last night also had me thinking about that. And how yeah. it just, it's a wrap. No past, present, future. It's all gone. just erased. Yeah. Oh, and I think a lot, of, a lot of people, they get very caught up in what's going to happen afterward and I think a lot of you we see like I said we see this in politics too everyone are very worried about like 
well, what are we leaving to the next generation and this and that? And, like, to a sense, it's certain it's important when it comes to, like, the environment and things, like, stuff that you can't really change. But, like, when it comes to stuff like the economy and whatever, like, those things change so often and so rapidly that you can't really, uh, like, hold yourself to blame for that or or say, like, oh, I have to... I agree and I disagree. Because it's what we talked about yesterday. Mm -hmm. We can only make do with what we were left with, and we were left with a shittier system than they were left with. Right. So, there is fault. You know what I mean? Yeah. They had worried more about that instead of just worrying about raising people right mm-hmm. instead of, you know, just destroying the economy that they were blessed with. Right. Then maybe life would have been a little easier for us. I know. Because the whole point of parents, like, when they're raising the kids, they want them to have a better life than they had. Of course. You destroy the economy. It's worse. Yeah. So. But I think a lot of it, too, is I, I, I wouldn't say that there was any sort of, like, malicious intent behind any of that. Like, the, the when we talk about, like you know what you leave to the next generation and stuff like i think the intentions were good i don't think there was ever i don't know about them being good i don't think they came out more like we want to destroy their economy right like i don't think it was like i said i don't think it was purposeful no well you could be purposeful without being purposeful Mm -hmm. you know i mean they they don't have to be like i'm going to destroy your economy right i I want to leave less for the next generation but the selfish actions that caused the destruction of that economy how we got here Right. So they weren't looking dead at that goal, but the things they were looking at caused that goal. Right, right. But I don't think that they're the, you know, because I think there's a lot of these misconceptions. shit. Yeah. Uh, with, but I don't think, like I said, I don't think it was malicious intent behind it. I think it was, it was, they were trying for the best and unfortunately yeah. made some poor decisions. Well, that doesn't really change anything. Just because they weren't malicious about it doesn't mm-hmm. change the fact that if they looked at the big picture, they would have seen it instead of looking at small picture stuff. Right. Like how can we make now better instead of how can we make the future better? Yeah, because, I mean, well, but also the thing is, is people in general, I think, have a very hard time looking that far ahead. Because our lifespans are short. Yeah. Like, yeah. we can look forward maybe two, three years, but beyond that, it's like, how do you know? Right? It's like... Uh, you plan for it. That's right. Well, you plan if for it. If you don't plan for it, you don't know. Well, sure. Yeah. But I think there's, like, a limit to what we can plan for. Like, there's always, mm-hmm. uh, there's always that, like, canned interview question that everyone always asks, like, where do you see yourself in five years? And, like, it's a completely dumb question because no normal person can actually answer that question with any bit of honesty. Like, you're just making it up on the spot. Well, the you know question itself doesn't require honesty. It's where do you, where can you see yourself, right. not where you, you're going to be. Yeah, basically, yeah. you know, so I, when Alive? I, yeah, exactly. Like, when Hopefully. I, fig- yeah, when I figured that out and, and I whenever someone answers that question, I just gave them the most ridiculous answer possible of, on like, yeah exactly like i i just always because there is no way to answer that question with any sort of honesty or truthfulness you don't know you have no idea you're just going to say you're just going to make something up that sounds nice for the interview so i think it's a completely dumb interview question hopefully more well off and more comfortable than i currently am exactly i remember i was in an interview one time and they started off and they asked you where do you see yourself in five years and i gave some normal you know pretty reasonable answer Mm -hmm. and then they said okay how about 10 years and i was like what like, come again? 10 years? About 15 years. Yeah, I'm just like, okay, well, what do you mean 10 years? Like, do you know how long that is? Like, because, like, at that, I remember at that point, 10 years was, like, longer than I had been in college. Like, I was like, that's longer than, that'd be the longest amount of time I've ever been with one thing in my life. Like, I don't understand. Should have been, like, 10 years older. Yeah, exactly. That's basically what I said. I was just like, I have no idea where I'd be. Like, how do you think 10 years in the future? Like, you have no idea what's going to happen. So you just, you just, at that point, you just have to make it up. Yeah. Like, you can just say whatever sounds good. Married, two kids, you know, like, I don't know. The president of this company. Yeah, exactly. Like, you just say something dumb because at the p- point, mm. you know, oh, someone's grilling. Mm. Or burn a fire or something. There's mm. a wood fire. Oh, yeah, wood burning. Uh, yeah. Maybe, like, oh, there's a little, like. food, I smell wood. Yeah, maybe, like, a little outdoor fireplace or something yeah. like that. I need to get one of those. Could be. Oh. You do need to get one of those. <laughs> uh, 
but I mean, 12 years, <laughs> 12 years. Exactly. You see yourself in 10 Where years I with one? In 10 years? I do. So in 10 <laughs> years, sure. I can see myself in an outdoor fireplace in 10 years. Nice. <laughs> and not a year sooner. <laughs> but yeah, I, th- I think people do lack kind of that, that extreme forward thinking. Like they can think ahead yeah. for maybe a couple of years, but anything beyond that is just pure speculation. That's because most of the decisions we make are based on greed. Mm. It's not what we need. It's what we want. Yeah, I think people like that in general are like that. I think over the years, well, there's always been people who wanted more, mm-hmm. but there's, I think nowadays, more so, there's less people that are content with what they have. Yeah. Or what, up to a certain level, you know, like, no one's ever like, when I get to this level, I'm just good. Right. Just like, right. I want any more. Okay, I got a new job, making more money. All right, how can I get another job that makes me more money? How can I get a raise? Yeah. Like, well, back in the day, I guess you could have a job and you would just be good because you know you could buy a house. Right. Nowadays... Well, and, and there was a lot more. The other thing that we did, because we were talking about this yesterday, too, about uh, jobs and stuff. Like, you don't, like, the way that jobs work today is everyone always says, like, oh, what's the easiest way to get a raise? Find a job. Yeah. Because it's just very rare. Yeah, job hopping. Yeah, because it's very rare that a company wants to give you a steady raise, or at least a steady raise in increments that you're looking for. Like, they may give you a 1%, 2% raise, and you're like, okay, that's great. But if you want, like, actually more, like a significantly yeah. more amount of money, you have to change jobs. Jump between companies. Yeah, yeah, you have to to move. And what's really unfortunate about that, and, and the problem is because there are so many people that fit so many jobs these days, there is no incentive for a company to keep you because they can just easily replace you with the next thousand people that are going to apply for your job. Yeah. You know, and... But then you have to retrain them and mm-hmm. there's not reliability, so... True. But it's one of those things where you just make the job menial enough that you can just train anyone to do it and you leave the really important stuff that is actually, you know, uh, sensitive to the running of the company. You leave that for the higher-ups. You burden them with work and then you give... You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that's where... Uh, things have gone. I think it's yeah. like the people at the top now have all the big responsibilities and everyone else below them that are expendable are basically just given any sort of job and it's very easy to retrain someone doing it because there's no, you know what I mean, so that there is no worry about retention. That's also why we're, we've gotten away from the age where people actually cared about their jobs and jobs cared about them mm-hmm. to a point where it's just the wild, wild west of jobs and yeah. no one no jobs care about you. They give yeah. less of a crap about you than you care about them. And you're yeah. willing to look for a new job all the time. Pretty much, yeah. And they know that. And that's their thing is like these companies know well, they that. They caused that. Yeah. They, they wanted it like that. It's not that they know it. They made it like that so that way they could justify giving you less. Right. It goes back to what we talked about last time. They're constantly giving, like not increasing what they give while everything else around you increases and in how much it costs. Yeah. So they're like, okay, we'll just justify giving you less because if you're going to hop, We'll give you less. We'll give the new person more. Yeah, basically. Or they'll give the new person even less if they yeah. can get away with it. Like, and it's because it's because there is. It's like this weird, like, I want to say self-fulfilling prophecy, but it's like this weird circular logic that, like, because companies weren't rate giving raises as as much or whatever, there wasn't much of that that loyalty. People job hopped. So then businesses looked at the job hopping and said, well, if everyone's just going to job hop, then we're just not going to care about anybody. And it's like this this like self feeding circle that just keeps going and going of like well one person doesn't care so another person tries to care less because they know you know what i mean like it just all they use the job hop as an example of the problem Mm -hmm. but they're the ones that actually caused it and they're using it as a justification to give you less yeah there's plenty of reasons why they choose to give you less yeah so now it's just slow showing the workers until they can get they're trying to find the minimum they can give you what you work for yeah and because population keeps booming 
it's, it's going to constantly stay like yeah, that. Yeah, because there's always, there's always somebody who will take that job and take it willingly, yeah. no matter what. There's always, it's like, uh, you know, it's kind of like we were talking, we were talking about like online dating. Like, you know, there's always that person who is just like you, but better. You know what I mean? Where it's like, there's, you might be dissatisfied with your job and you're like, you know what, I'm going to leave. And your job goes, oh, okay, we're sad to see you go. But then they're going to hire somebody else who gladly will take your job. Yeah, for the same amount. Or for less. the same amount or less, they don't care because they're that desperate. And it's yeah. like, people are more, there's always somebody more desperate than you yeah. who will take what you won't take. And companies know that. So why do they care? Because there's a million people that will fill your job. Yeah. You know, and of the rare jobs where there's few people to fill them, yeah, those are very sought after jobs. It's hard to find people because, you know, it's, it's a certain specialized skill. But the other problem is the reason why it's such a specialized skill is because not everyone can do it. That's one of the, one of the many reasons why I want to own my own place. Mm-hmm. Of course. Because I don't want to work for people and I don't like that environment. Yeah. So I want to pay my people, maybe not well, but more than what they would be making in other places. I want to pay them enough that they can afford to live. Yeah. You don't have to worry about running out of money or can they make their bills. That's no way to live, man. There used to be camaraderie yeah. within jobs. Yeah. I don't know. It's definitely how it is. Yeah. Well, because I think a lot of it is that there's... Because a lot of jobs now, especially with, with the onset of the internet and everything, like there is more of that that 24-7 cycle that stuff is always happening going on and you know if we're all a team and we're all supposed to do a certain number a certain level of work but then one of our one of our people maybe falls off maybe they don't meet whatever goal they have to meet now it becomes a burden on the rest of us and it's not like so it's either like we all have to rat out that one weak link or we all take the hit and say, yeah, we couldn't get our work done and all of us losing our jobs. You know, and it's like this weird um, environment of like you succeed by the fa- because of the failures of your coworkers. Yeah. I remember I actually have something kind of related to this. I remember I worked for this company. Obviously, I won't name them or anything, but uh, it's coming years ago. And we reviewed applications for grants and we were rated based on number of applications finished and reviewed. And how quickly you did this. Okay. And so efficiency is not important, or accuracy is not important. Well, accuracy was important. It was both. You had to be accurate, and you had to be do a lot. And you got them. There was like a second level of reviews. So like I would do my review and say approve or whatever, and send it on. The next level of people would then look at it and like basically check my work, so to speak. Yeah. So you were rated based on okay, you completed. Say I completed a hundred but 50 of them were found to have errors and got sent back to me to correct, yeah. then I would have like a 50% success rate, okay. right? So it was basically that. It was this sliding scale of number completed versus number returned to you. Um, and so there were ways, and then you were rated by that, right? So you could game the system. You could either do, uh, say I, I did only 10 applications, but all 10 of them were correct. My, I would have a 100% success rate, but only 10 completed. So then they would look and say, okay, well, let's say you did 100, but only 60 of them were done well. You would still be rated higher than me because you finished more, even though your, like, error rate was lower. 
right? Yeah. Or lower was higher, sorry. It was, you, right. So it was this weird scale. It was hard to determine well, what was so good. It really doesn't matter. Right, so accuracy didn't really matter because you could just game the system by doing a whole bunch of them. Yeah. Basically flood the system with your applications, even if your return rate was 60%. As long as your percentage was higher. But as long as in the end, higher. exactly. But as long as you completed more in the end, you were okay. You could have 10% right if you did 1,000. Yeah. You're and, still doing more yeah. than everybody else. Yeah. You know, and obviously at certain cases, then they would like reprimand you if you were like, had like egregiously, had tons yeah. and tons of errors. But that was beside the point. Because the problem was, and this is what the worst part of it was, is they would rate everyone and legitimately to all the employees that you know, did these applications, they would send out, I think like once a month or once every two weeks or something like that, they would send out a report that legitimately ranked everyone from like, say, one to 50 or something like that, however many people there were and showed you and, and like not any sort of anonymity at all it was just sent to every employee and it was like yeah here's who's number one and here's who's number 50. Jesus. basically here's who's in danger of losing their job and here's doing here's who's you're probably gonna get promoted next you know it was it was that system and a lot of people That's i remember shame. and a lot of people i remember kind of complained about it because they were like look this is kind of like it's like the teacher telling everyone who got the lowest score on the test that it's kind of embarrassing you know, and I've I, seen them before. yeah, and I've said, I even said, I brought up the idea in like some big meeting. I was like, look, we're all given employee numbers, right? That only really we know, like, or memorize. So why don't you just, instead of putting the person's name, just put the employee number well, in. That's the purpose of why they're doing it. Right. But the problem is they're doing they it because, exactly, because your success is based on the failures of everyone else. And that's what it was, a, it was a really, like, looking back at it, it was, it was an awful work environment to be in just because you were always, like, you didn't want to see your coworkers succeed. You wanted to see them fail because then you would look better. Yeah, You know, and it was like there was no benefit to you for your coworkers succeeding because that made you actively look worse. Mm. And you were just really, so you didn't want that. You were like, oh, dang, if, someone's, if, the, if the person next to me finishes one application more than I do, they're going to be number 49, I'll be number 50 or something like that. And they're, you know, they're automatically better than me, so I have to hope that they fail. That was like this one job I used to have where you would try to see who can make the most over. So it was a per sale average. The, mm -hmm. the sale itself was like $40 was like the base. Yeah. And then we, had to, we always had competitions to see who can get the most over base. Right. So that didn't just incentivize selling. It didn't matter if the person needed it or not. Mm -hmm. So there was always people who would just try to be like, yo, you need this service done. Mm -hmm. And obviously I'm talking about cars. Yeah. But they would always be like, okay, well, you came in for this, but I saw these three things you need. And honestly, there was a lot of times where people didn't need this stuff and they would just try to sell it to them. It was grimy as hell. Yeah. I remember eventually... We started doing uh, windshields, fixing cracks in windshield. Yeah. And they were pushing that ridiculously hard. Of course. Any new service in the business, you always want to push it. Yeah. And it was, like the way they went about it was just so stupid. Like They were like, okay, well, we're going to give you guys commission for this. Now, at this point, no one got commission for anything. This okay. This place was trying to rub two nickels together and give you a penny. Yeah, yeah. It, it was, it was, they were cheap as hell. So they were like, okay, we'll give you $5 for each one that you sell. I'm like, cool, no problem. I'll start doing it. If they need it, cracks are easy. They either need it or they don't need it. You mm -hmm. don't have to lie. You don't have to worry about upselling. But, yo, you got a crack. I'm going to fix it. It's free through insurance. And we'll take care of it for you. We'll contact insurance. We'll do all that stuff. Of course, yeah. Well, we must have broke, like, five windshields. Really? Yeah. Like, accidentally? Yeah, well, this is, the way it was set up, you had a suction cup and two twists. 
So you put you would suction it down and then mm -hmm. you would twist it so that way it would hold it firm. So when you release the suction and put in the stuff, yeah, it wouldn't jump off. Yeah, yeah. But because there's a fucking crack, when you tighten it, there's a chance to cause it to spread. Right. Yeah. Glasses. The, the machine was only like four or five inches. Six yeah, inches. yeah. So there was several times where it just you would just see it spider. Yep. We, there was a couple broken windows. And after a certain point, I was like, bro, I'm not selling these anymore because we've had too many broken windows. This is bad for business. We're not really making any money off of it. Right. I'm not making money off of it. Yeah. You basically set me up with the $5, mm -hmm. which I never made any of them. Ooh. They never gave me any of that money. That's rough. Yeah. Which is irrelevant because I didn't want to sell it. Right. And I just got fired like twice for refusing to sell it. Hmm. On the days I was there, I'm just like, yeah, I'm not selling it. He's like, well, you have to sell it. And I'm like, well, I'm not, though. Cause yeah. Broken windows, and we're out in the store. Was out eight hundred dollars. The company didn't pay for it. The store Ooh. paid for it. Yeah. At that point, I was getting bonuses because I was a manager, so what's coming out of that? Oh, yeah. Shit show. Yeah. Well, yes, I remember working. Uh, I worked at a clothing store, a big department store, one time, and uh, they would give you as a salesperson, like you would log in every day, and it would give you like uh, basically a sales goal, and it would say like, here's the amount that you have to do in sales today. Oh, yeah, we had those two for every month. Yeah. We always had to beat last year's month, the yeah. same month. Yeah, basically, it's always this increase. And, like, the thing that always got me about it, right, because um, I worked at a couple of retail places, and they all had that. And they were like, oh, we're looking to we're looking to beat the same month, this same month last year. Like, we're looking to do better. And I'm like, well, these don't account for any, for any issue, Right, like yeah. these only account for okay. You did a thousand dollars last year. This same time, but we want it, we expect two thousand dollars this year. And it's like, well, what about in, you know uh, the early two thousands? We had the housing crisis. Like nobody was spending money. Every business was under. Yeah. But you still wanted this sales goal that was that was outrageous. But you didn't take into account maybe there was that. Oh, don't care about that. They just want to make profit. Exactly. And uh, and then you were right on. You're like, oh, why weren't you able to do that? And it's like, oh, because I saw three customers the entire time. Yeah. And it's like, there's a limit to how much you can upsell. Oh, it's like, sorry, those three customers aren't spending $500 a piece. Those are the same jobs that pay you barely anything and don't give a right. shit about Oh, yeah, them. they'll give you bare, bare minimum wage and whatever. And, you know. Yeah. And what's funny is I remember when I worked at that clothing store, or this was department store, I worked in the clothing section. Uh, when I left, because I found another job, they were like, like the manager or whatever was like, not upset, but he was like bummed. Because I guess he was like, oh, you know, you've been doing really well and this and that. And I'm like, yeah, but, like, I need to move on. Like, the amount of money I need to make, you're not going to pay me, like, to do this job. It's just flat out. Yeah. Or I have to wait until, like, one of the managers here either gets fired, quits, or dies because there's no other way I'm getting promoted. Like, yep. And that's the other problem. A lot of jobs now, there is no, uh, there is no, like, upward mobility. Upward mobility. There's no progression right. because people stay in their job forever like if you have a good job you're gonna stay forever or they don't retire you know young anymore they retire when they're like 80 and can well, barely can't work anymore. To retire anymore yeah or you know a lot of people like my my grandmother was one of these people she we had i remember when she turned 80 we had a combined 80th birthday and retirement party for her because right. she kept working and it wasn't because she had to it was because she was like oh well what else will i do yeah and i feel like if you didn't and i'm save like tons yeah. of money and are well off yeah like, when you retire, you don't have a lot to spend. Yeah. So what's the point? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I'm not saying what's the point. Because people want to relax. I want to work anymore. Right. But you can't go out and do stuff. You can't afford it. Jesus. That's excessive. Yeah. You can't afford to go out and do stuff. That's also excessive. That's someone's earning the window. Yeah. Um, that is excessive. You can't go out and you can't afford to do stuff. Yeah. So you retiring is like 
one step in the grave. You know what I'm saying? Because you're just yeah. at home all the time not doing anything. Yeah. Well, I remember that's kind of like my my mother. Yeah, my mother. Re- stay busy. Yeah, my mother decided to. It re- wasn't. She was planning on retiring, but she wasn't. When my father passed away, she wasn't planning on retiring. She waited a year where she worked for a year, and then after that, decided she's like, you know what? I really don't want to work anymore. She's like, I can retire. I'm going to go through the process. I'm retiring. This is my last year. You know. Yeah. And uh, she was like, she waited a year because she was like, oh, you know, my husband just died. I don't want to make any like Rest big decisions. life decisions, right? You know, whatever. So she's waited a year. And then she decided to retire. And leading up to it, she was worried about it. And she was like, you know, oh, what am I going to do when I'm retired? Like, this, that, the other thing. And, and, I, said to, and I said to her, I was like, you know, I'll say the same thing. That oddly enough, the the company that I worked for with, like, the rating system, whatever, mm-hmm. um, they had a CEO that I really liked. And then he retired and the company went to shit. But that's a different story. Um, he said something when he was retiring. You know, we had a retirement party for him because he had been the CEO for the company, like, since it was founded. Yeah. And uh, so they had a retirement party for him. And he said something. He said, someone, you know, he's like, oh, you know, what, you know someone asked me, like, what am I going to do the first day of retirement? And I said, well, I'm probably going to wake up at 6 a.m. like I normally do. And then I'm going to go back to bed for a few hours. And <laughs> so when my mother was retiring, like, like you the other day. exactly. So when my mother was retiring, like, that's what I told her. I was like, well, you'll probably wake up at 7 because that's when you wake up every day. Uh, or no, my mother woke up at 5. But anyway, I was like, you're probably going to wake up. And then I was like, I think you should go back to bed for a few hours. Yeah. And I'm like, you just do whatever you want. Like, don't, like, it doesn't matter. You don't have to have that structure. But for some reason, and I think there are, now granted, there are a lot of people who really like having structure to their day. Nope. Um, well, th- there are people who do, right? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and it just becomes that kind of thing of when, when people retire, they, they think to themselves, well, like, well, what am I going to do? So they just never retire because like, oh, well, I'll be bored. And I'm like, no, you won't. You'll find things to do. My mother found a whole crap to me. My mother was busier when she got, when she retired than she was when she was working. Nice. Because like, she just did anything she wanted to. She saw friends that were retired. She did. Like, she loved volunteering through her church. She volunteered there. She did everything she ever wanted to do because she had the time to do it. That's cool. You know? So it's definitely like I think people don't can't get over that like mental block of what block do I do when I retire? Can't handle. But yeah. Yeah. It's like what do I do when I have nothing else to do? And it's like you do whatever you want. Like, yeah, or what you can afford to do. That's the yeah. problem. Especially nowadays. At least your mom comes from an older generation. Mm-hmm. So... As we get older, it's going to be drastically different and worse for us when we yeah, retire. Probably. For, well, I would say a larger percentage of people than in previous generations. Yeah. Because the amount of money you could save. Yeah, it's a lot. Right, yeah. is much less, so you have less to do with. So you, have, you either have to retire later. Right. Which sucks. You never want to do that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which a lot of people do that. That's and my there's so far. Right. When there was even, even at that other job, like there was this one woman, she was like well into her 60s, probably closer to 70. And she was still working. And I'm like, why are you still working in this job specifically? And she's like, oh, because I get bored and I want some extra spending money. And I'm like, okay, cool. But you know, you're technically like, you're taking a job from a younger person who really needs it. Because you're so much older and so much more experienced. You're obviously going to have any amount of years of experience that the company is looking for, you're going to have. And because because you don't care about the amount of money that you make, because it's just extra spending money for you, you'll take any amount they'll give you. Whereas somebody like, say, my position is not going to be able to do that. You know, yeah, she has just the right of, oh, as much a right to a job as someone younger does. I mean, they do, but like, you know, there's a comes a point I think where like the older generation does need to retire and that, sort of like give up. Their, we can only say yeah. that if we were going to take care of them, but if we're not the one taking care of them, it's not really for us to say. You know yeah. I mean? like, hey, you're done. Get out of here. But I don't have enough money. I don't care. You're old. Get out. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's that is out. unfortunately, but like, it's there's needs to be 
like that that sort of cycle kind of needs to be in place in order for the younger generation to take those places you know like i said that would be fine if we had a system set up for them for success for them retiring but if yeah. there's nothing set up for them we can't just say hey you gotta well, go true we can't just say hey old man. your time old. is up you know hey you're too old you don't need yeah. this what was the oh that's actually that was actually um that horror movie that came out recently midsummer yeah. The uh, the like cult or, or group or whatever that they were uh, that they were with in the movie had these like really weird beliefs and like one of them was that uh, after I think it was like seventy two or something mm-hmm. uh, like that was it like life ended okay. and basically like the the older members of this community uh, when they turned seventy two they had this like big ceremony and um, they like jumped off this cliff or something. And that was like oh, nice. what it was, yeah. And then it was explained. And then of course, obviously, the the main characters of the movie, the onlookers, were like horrified by this. They're like, "72 is not that old anymore." Whatever. And then, you know, still pretty old. It is old, but like yeah. you know, there are some pretty spry 72 year olds I know. I know some spry 80 year olds. Like, you know, so it's like one of those things. And they were like shocked by it. And the justification was like, "Well, think about it. It's all downhill from there. Like, what's left to experience? So why not go out on your own terms? That type of thing." You know, it was basically that, hey, this older generation, it's time to go. Yeah, so much. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a movie, but, you know. It's essentially what you just said for that old lady working yeah. at that convenience store. I was like, yeah, I was like, yo, it's time Don't to go. Yeah, this job. it's time to go. There's a thousand young people who just graduated college who need this job. Yeah, they used to say it would be all right. <laughs> oh, man. That's a shame. Yeah, but now things are... Uh, I think there's a lot of factors for why the why things are the way they are now. Yeah. Thanks, guys, for listening. If there's ever any topics you're interested in hearing us talk about, feel free to drop us a line at walkingwiththeboys at gmail.com, and we'll take you into consideration. Thank you.